0: And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Rosen with time, and it's intercepted at the 35 yard line. Derwin James. I'm just telling you, if they pass on Deshaun Watson. Uh, they're passing on Michael Jordan. Watson pressure off the edge. Watson survives it. And then checks down to Jones. Jones inside the 40, inside the 30, inside the 20, to the 10-yard line, Taiwan Jones, to Sean Watson Magical. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Men. one vikings fan one bills fan coming to you during a pandemic to deliver to you the guys like sports podcast hi i'm curtis henry i'm here with my co-host michael rose we got a big nfl oriented show for you today michael with all this focus on the nfl what's got you most excited today
1: I'm ready to dive in. We got our predictions today for for this upcoming NFL season, and, you know, it's looking more and more likely like we're going to actually have an NFL season, so I'm fired up. I'm I'm excited for sports to be back.
0: Yeah, I think that it's becoming more apparent every day that we are going to have an NFL season. I don't know what it looks like. I think the safe assumption right now is that we have games played with no fans, but We have games played nevertheless. And really, if you're a guy like me or Mike Rose, fantasy football is king. And that's at the heart of wanting a season to persist. Is if we have football, we can play fantasy football. And that's a huge W for all parties involved. I don't know if you agree there, but
1: Yeah, fantasy football is definitely huge. And I mean at the end of the day, if we're playing, even if there's no fans in the stands. We still got, you know, sports to watch on TV. We still got games to be played. And the NFL is is an exciting product to watch on TV, even if there's no fans in the stands. And I got to say, early returns on a lot of these sports that have played so far without fans, really
0: not that bad. So I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, the product hasn't been bad at all. Uh, I watched some German soccer over the weekend. I watched the Borussia Dortmund game. They played FC Schalke. And first of all, Dortmund waxed shock I only had to watch about 65 minutes of that game for it to be over because the last half hour was garbage Dortmund won by four goals uh but Dortmund closed it out with their you know yellow wall celebration and it was really interesting because a there's no fans that they're you know saluting in the celebration but b it it was kind of fun to see it was like a wholesome tradition moment and, and it was a signifier that sports were back Uh, And the Dortmund was back, and I also watched the uh, the NASCAR race that we had over the weekend at Darlington. We got another one Wednesday night at Darlington Cup race, and the product of NASCAR really is going to be the closest thing, because as a viewer on television, like the fans of NASCAR have no impact on watching a race. So, so that was kind of cool. Good product. Kevin Harvick won down in South Carolina this weekend. It was a good race, but I don't know if you caught any of that. I know you're not a race kind of guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I watched the UFC and I also caught caught some golf, so we managed to cover all of the sports that were played this weekend between yeah. the two of us. Uh the golf really is once again, I mean the fans it, it wasn't an actual golf tournament but it was the 2v2 competition that we had uh this weekend with golf and honestly like you, you don't notice without fans and really that much. And same thing with uh the UFC honestly is it was kind of cool because you can hear the trainers talking to their fighters. You can hear the fighters talking to each other in the ring. So I kind of like that aspect of it. So early returns, looking good.
0: How would you rate it? 9 out of 10? Compared to a- of a- We got sports, 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. So jumping right into that, we got a show slated on NFL predictions. And we're going to go division by division with our predictions. Inevitably, we're going to disagree with some of what we have here. I think that we should mention that this is going to be messy because when I was filling out the schedule I didn't have as much parity as perhaps I should have it resulted in a lot of 10 win teams and a lot of teams with 10 or more losses I don't know if you share the same caveat right there I think for the most part I have
1: pretty good parity on on my end I did I, I picked a lot of home teams to win games I have a lot of home teams winning in a lot of these games so not terrible. Yeah, I think I, I'm very similar. I'm closer to you than I think, though. I think I have, do have a lot of 10-win teams. But nonetheless, we're going to roll with what we got and see, see what comes of it and see how close we can get. And I do want to give a quick shout-out to the Bag Podcast guys. Uh, Hunter Maser, uh hooked, hooked me and Curtis up with this uh, playoff predictor website that we used to make our predictions here. So shout-out to those guys and check their podcast out. They're doing some fun stuff over there as well.
0: Yeah, big shout out to Bag Talk. Hunter was great. We, we were looking for something to make this as easy as possible so we didn't have to write this out by hand. We stumbled upon, I think it's playoffpredictor.com. If you're, this is an exercise that our fans at home want to partake in, they can, they can go to playoffpredictor.com, maybe send us a tweet and show us what they end up with as far as a playoff picture based on their own predictions. It's a good website. Shout out Hunter. That was a really good resource for us. But I think it's time to jump in. And let's talk some AFC East. I think this might be one of our more brief divisions based on the fact that I think it's going to be the Buffalo Bills winning the division and then a whole lot of mediocrity. What do you have for me? i um, the
1: same way. I got the Bills winning the division 10 and six, like, like what the Bills have done over the course of the last year. And they play in potentially the worst division in football as it stands right now. I got the Bills winning the division Jets, I got at five and eleven. Dolphins, five and eleven. Patriots, four and twelve. I have zero faith in a Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham led uh, offense to compete at an NFL level, to be quite frank. So, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much my AFC East. Uh, Bills should win it pretty easily, just looking at the early returns on this division.
0: Yeah, and I think we can both almost agree. I have Buffalo at eleven and five. The Jets at 6-10, the Patriots at 5-11, and and the Dolphins at 4-12. I think we can both agree that the Jets and Dolphins wouldn't shock us if they snuck into the playoffs at 9-7 because the teams have talent. I just think that Adam Gase is terrible. He's going to be out within a year in New York. I don't think he survives 2020 as the head coach of the Jets. I think that the Dolphins are going to have growing pains if Tua sees the field in year one. I think if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts – Ryan Fitzpatrick won them five games last year with a terrible roster and all they've done is improve they added 11 free agents and 11 guys through the draft so if Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting maybe the Dolphins go eight and eight I don't think that would shock us maybe they go nine and seven and sneak into that seven seed in the AFC I think the Jets you can make the same case because I think we both like Sam Darnold and in some of the pieces that they have in New York but I just don't have faith in The Jets' coaching staff. I don't have faith in rookie quarterbacks to be playoff contenders year one because that's usually an anomaly, and I don't have faith in the New England Patriots without Tom Brady because that is a roster that is aging and really just devoid of talent.
1: Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I would be really shocked if the Dolphins or the Jets went nine and seven and snuck into the playoffs, mostly because. They they both play really tough schedules. The AFC schedules this year are incredibly difficult playing the NFC West and AFC West, respectively. And I got to be honest, the Jets just, they don't have a lot of weapons. I mean, so they did a good job this offseason, I think, addressing the offensive line. But it's a lot of question marks on who Sam Donald's distributing the ball to. You got Le'Veon Bell, who had his worst season of his career by a mile last year. And then at the receiving position, you got Jamison Crowder, who is is a nice player but he's not anything special Denzel Mims rookie we don't know what we're gonna get out of him Chris Herndon missed basically every game last year they bring in Brashad Perryman I just have a lot of questions about what the Jets are working with and with Miami uh I like you said I just can't imagine a rookie quarterback leading them to the playoffs and even if it's Fitzpatrick I really I think Fitzpatrick's
0: just like a 5-1 quarterback like I just that's just kind of what Fitzpatrick does we can agree to disagree. I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised based on the fact that, A, this is a weak division. I don't think it would be a shock for either of those teams to sweep the other in New England and then split with Buffalo. And then from there, they only have to get three or four more wins against the rest of the field. Like, to me, that's not an impossible task, seeing as they still have to play at the bottom of the N- NFC West, the bottom of the AFC West, and they both have a third and fourth place schedule.
1: But so, what is the bottom of the NFC West?
0: The is there of, it's is there Arizona? Team, yeah, is
1: there the team NFC team West, the is impossible. West that is as worse than the Jets or Dolphins. No,
0: I, no, there's not. Absolutely but not. In facing the NFC West, they do have two games against West Coast teams that are played on the East Coast, which anything can happen.
1: So and just just parting note, you say they play second, third place schedules, but in the AFC, that's kind of tricky because you know second, third place schedules. AFC North, that means you're getting Pittsburgh or Cleveland, who I think we both agree are pretty solid. AFC South, you're getting. Houston or Indy, or no, you're getting Tennessee or Indy. Who I think we both agree are uh, yeah, but they're playing thirty solid. Fourth. They're so, playing just... third and
0: fourth place schedules, not second and third. So take well, out the second place teams. So they're playing Jacksonville. Either way, it's and Indy. still not a good schedule. They're playing Jacksonville and Indy. They're Miami playing... gets Jacksonville. Yeah, and Miami is a little easier schedule. The Jets do not have a good schedule. So. Anyway, put it on the board. I'll say it would not be a shock for the Dolphins or Jets to finish 9-7. and seven. I just don't think either of them not eclipses happen. six wins. Let's move on to the AFC North. And I know we have the same division champion on the shoulders of last year's MVP. So what can you tell me about what you have going down in the AFC North after the Baltimore Ravens?
1: Yeah, let's start. Let's go bottom up for the AFC North. So I'm going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who I have finishing in last place. I got them at 3-13. and I think their upside is higher than that, uh, but it's, there's going to be definite growing pains with Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is going to have a nice year, but the defense still has a lot of holes on that side of the ball. The offensive line still has some question marks, but overall the Bengals are trending in the right direction, in my opinion. I think they have some good things coming in the next couple of years. Pittsburgh uh today I saw today Ben Roethlisberger back on the field tossing the rock around he looked pretty good I got Pittsburgh going at nine and seven and making the playoffs as a wild card uh I I like what the Steelers did and honestly nine and seven I think might be lowballing them a little bit because they were able to win eight games last year starting Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges and I gotta tell you folks if you didn't watch the Steelers last year those two guys stink They're, they're terrible those are two of the worst quarterbacks I've watched play in in a very long time they still won eight games. So Pittsburgh gotta be feeling pretty good about where they're at right now. The defense is not only really young, but really, really talented. I like where Pittsburgh's heading. Cleveland, I have him at 12 and 4. I'm maybe a little biased here. I'm a huge Baker Mayfield guy. Anyone who knows me knows I love Baker Mayfield. And I love Kevin Stefanski who's coming over from the Vikings. I have him going 12 and 4. It, it it could go a couple different ways. I mean I still think they're going to be a playoff team this year, though, but I think their their floor is definitely uh, pretty low. And then I have the Ravens winning the division at 14-2. and two. We don't really need to dive into the Ravens. This is just an absolute juggernaut. They got even better this offseason. Just an absolutely loaded roster in, in Baltimore.
0: Yeah, I saw the PFF guys today talking about whether or not Baltimore would hit over 11.5 wins. And I think without being decimated by injury, that's just a crazy conversation because they both took the under on 11 and a half. And I'm like, how that like it's gets the safe bet, I guess, quote unquote with the first hit place team playing a first place schedule in a tough division. But the Ravens are just so loaded at every single position group on that roster, every single one. So unless you see a significant injury to like Lamar Jackson or on the offensive line, or their defense just gets torn to shreds. Like, I don't think the Ravens finish with less than 12 wins. Interesting note, we both had the Ravens with 14 wins and the Bengals with 3. I'm a little less bullish on the Browns. I have them being a playoff team, but I have them at 9-7, and not 12-4, and because I think that's more where they're at right now. The talent's undeniable, but that group still has to mesh. And I think that this is a make-or-break year for Baker Mayfield, because last year, the coaching staff was a disaster this year we think they have someone competent in place with kevin stepanski and i think that their skill position players are just otherworldly i don't know if there's a better skill position group in the nfl than what the browns have maybe the cowboys maybe the broncos but you have kareem hunt nick chubb jarvis landry odell beckham and then you have austin hooper and david and like they're just so stacked on offense
1: they have two of everything
0: yeah exactly and, and they can't afford to not be a top six or seven offense this year, I don't think, because if, if they've invested this heavily in the offensive side of the ball and they hired an offensive-minded head coach, then theoretically, like, if they aren't a top six offense, then that organization is not going to finish above 500 it has to be put together so baker mayfield is definitely on the clock i traded for him in a dynasty league recently you you know that pretty well so i'm big on baker this year as well i think he has an opportunity to break out as much as any other second or third year quarterback in the league so yeah browns i got him at nine and seven definitely less bullish than 12 and four because they do play in a tough division and yeah pittsburgh at 10 and 6 i think we just agree that If you get eight wins out of Doc Hodges and Mason Rudolph, who you mentioned, they're just not good at football, then Big Ben, who came out looking like a caveman and slinging balls to Juju Smith-Schuster and Ryan Schweitzer yesterday, I think he is going to be a big piece in returning them to a playoff caliber football team. And I think we can agree that Mike Tomlin is a very good head football coach. So that's my great head football coach.
1: Yeah. That line. guy won eight games with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, people. I don't think we understand how difficult that really is. And let's just – he was – those two guys at quarterback, James Conner was in and out all year. Judas Smith-Schuster didn't do a goddamn thing the whole year. Like, this dude was just patchworking an offense all year, and they won eight games. It was remarkable. They, had, remarkable. The tap,
0: they had the tap passes with James Conner and Jalen Samuels for a couple weeks just as a filler because they didn't trust Duck Hodges to be taking snaps. The Steelers were really good at making something out of nothing in 2019. For the sake of time, any closing thoughts on this division? We got to move on. Big trust. Big trust. We love the Ravens. Moving to the AFC South. I think this is an interesting division to both of us because of the range of outcomes, right? I think we can agree that the Jags probably going to be terrible this year. They, They have one of the worst three situations as far as their quarterback room. I could put New England in that mix, and Chicago maybe in that mix. Um, Gardner Minshew and I believe it's Mike Glennon is the backup in Jacksonville. Those two do not bring a lot to the table as far as winning. So, And I, I shouldn't say that about Minshew. I think he went 500 last year. But they didn't do anything really to substantially improve on the office, offensive side of the ball. They brought in a guy like LaVisca Chenault. They tra- uh, I think they caught or traded away Marquise Lee. He's in New England now. I just don't see it. They have – I'll go into why I have the Jags as low as I do. But at the top of the division, this could go a lot of different ways. I have the Titans going 12-4. and four. I'm pretty bullish on the Titans after what they did in the playoffs last year. I like Tannehill. I like Derrick Henry for at least one more year. I think they're solid in the trenches. The Titans are going to be potentially a boring football team this year outside of A.J. Brown, maybe a little Derrick Henry. But I think that they're just going to play smart football and that's going to win them a lot of football games. The Texans I have at 10 and six. I saw what Deshaun Watson did in the playoffs last year against my Buffalo Bills. That guy was spinning out of sacks where he should have been down. He basically single handedly won them a game that they were down 16 nothing in and had no business being in, especially after that kickoff that was a touchdown for Buffalo that wasn't because the refs were idiots and, and the guy fielding the ball was an idiot and just dropped the ball on the field like that play still gives me nightmares Michael I don't know what this guy's laughing at me right now on the call he's he's waiting to roast me about it but honestly that should have been 23 nothing Buffalo Bills and it should have been game it should have been game the Bills choked Deshaun Watson was amazing And I think that Deshaun Watson is worth nine or ten wins. So I got the Texans at ten and six, even though Bill O'Brien is atrocious as both a GM and a head coach. Don't like that guy at all. But Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. And then I have the Colts at nine and seven. And the Colts, to me, are really interesting because they're one of the teams in the league with a massive range of outcomes. The Colts, the Browns, the Panthers, and the Falcons, I would say, maybe the Cardinals and Broncos can be in that mix too, are four or five teams that just, they could go four and 12, they could go 10 and six. So I have the Colts at nine and seven, and I have the Jaguars finishing a lowly one and 15. We'll go back up and forth on the top three. And I know you don't think the Jags will be that bad. And I'll I'll make my case for the Jags.
1: Yeah, I'll start with the Jags. I got them going four and 12. I really like the Jags skill position players. I'll be honest. And I don't, their quarterback room stinks. And their defense is definitely not what it was a couple years ago. But I really like DJ Chark. I like LaVisca Chenault and what he can do in that offense. Leonard Fournette is, is going to be back this year. Sounds like he's in the plans. So if he's in the plans, he's, he's a damn good football player. They brought in Chris Thompson, good pass catcher, take a little bit of a load off Leonard Fournette. I like what the Jags have at the skill spots. DD Westbrook as well. They just kind of stink everywhere else, honestly. And if they get a quarterback in this upcoming draft after they stink this year, that's going to be a real in- team to watch because I think he's walking into a really good group of weapons. I got the Colts at 6-10. and 10. Like you said, wide range of outcomes. Uh, the Colts have a lot of talent, and it's really just a matter of what do, you, what do you think Phil Rivers is going to do this year? That's what it comes down to. I don't think very highly of Phil Rivers right now. I'll be honest. I watched that guy lose so many games for the Chargers last year that it, it hurt my soul. And I think the Chargers have more talent than the Colts. But I think it's it's interesting because the Colts have a lot more talent on the offensive line than the Chargers did. So maybe that helps Phil Rivers because he did throw a lot of interceptions while under pressure last year. So we'll see how that kind of works out for him. But I have him at 6-10. I had the Titans at 8-8, and I love Deshaun Watson. It really hurts me. To, to sit here and count out a Deshaun Watson team and have them missing the playoffs by one game because the guy just wins all the time, wherever he is, he just wins football games. And since Deshaun Watson has become the Texas quarterback, all they've done is win games when he was at Clemson. All they did was win games. The guy's just a winner. And I still have him been eight and eight because I really just think this roster is just so mediocre outside of Deshaun Watson. I just don't know what to do. And their coach is an in incompetent fool who is probably going to get a promotion after they go eight and eight because they're psychos in Houston. Uh, winning division I have the Titans I have them 10 and 6 I almost put them even higher I can see the Titans winning 12 games I really think this is going to be a really good team this year they they got a, a really solid defense and I really like what Mike Vrabel's done since he came in Tennessee and I'm telling you I really like Ryan Tannehill and I like how he played down the stretch last year coming into the season now he's going to know he's the guy for the full offseason season year two of A.J. Brown, you got Derrick Henry in there, Darrington Evans is an upgrade over Deion Lewis, I think, as your pass catching back, John U. Smith, I think, has a chance to be a, a sneaky breakout player this year, he's he's a freak athlete, the guy's unbelievable after the catch, he actually is like second in the NFL among tight ends in yards after the catch, only trailing George Kittle in the last couple of years. And he's just been kind of stuck behind Delaney Walker. Walker's gone. I like John U. Smith this year. I think the Titans are, are, are a really, really good football team. So I got them going 10 and six and winning this division.
0: Again, I'm a little bit more bullish on the Titans because I think a lot of their games will be boring, but they can beat you in a lot of different ways between being stingy. See, on I didn't defense. think they're going
1: to be more exciting than you think. I th- I really think well, it's I because
0: you really love AJ Brown.
1: You love AJ Brown. And I am of the belief that Ryan Tannehill not, not as good as last year, but he can be just a notch below what he did last year. I really believe that he's capable of doing that. I'm all in. I think Ryan Tannehill's is a pretty good
0: NFL quarterback. With the argument that he was dogged by Adam Gase for a few years in Miami. that He dragged Adam Gase and the Dolphins to the playoffs. When's he, the last
1: time? Didn't he Let's beat, beat the Steelers
0: that. In, the, in that playoffs too? Like he I think went he up got and knocked won- out of the game. He got
1: knocked out of the game. Oh yeah, but Matt
0: Moore. Matt Moore was playing. I just want you to think about this, man.
1: The Dolphins, when's the last time the Dolphins were any good to be resembling a playoff team before Ryan Tannehill?
0: The early 2000s.
1: And this guy, Ryan Tannehill, took them to the playoffs when they had been incompetent for like 10 years. Like this guy, Ryan Tannehill, was not that bad. Yeah. And he was really, really good last year in that Tennessee
0: system. They bring back their their, their coordinators. I, I really like the Titans. Okay, so well, closing thought on this division. I agree with you on the Titans. They're going to be a good football team. Barring catastrophic injuries, and that that should be a caveat for all of this. These are our predictions if everybody's healthy all the time. So the Jags, I have it one in fifteen. Like the skill guys, I think the Jags are the perfect storm to be really dysfunctional. One, their owner only cares about money. The guy is considering moving to London permanently, in forfeiting all that they've built in Jacksonville. So we're just going to take an entire NFL franchise. I mean, franchise. they haven't
1: really built much in Jacksonville, to be fair. But go ahead.
0: Let, let's, let's not talk about that. Make, this is what fits my narrative right now. So, Mike's <laughs> just laughing. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are looking at potentially a move to London because their owner, I believe, owns Wembley Stadium. That's why they've been playing there for the last few years. This year, prior to coronavirus, the Jags were slated to have two games in London So they were only going to have six true home games and then two at a neutral site. The Jaguars might have one of the more toxic locker rooms in football right now. Gardner Minshew, he could be a decent NFL quarterback. He won six games last year. He's a sixth-round guy with one year of experience in the league. I'm not buying that he's a leader. The best players on that roster right now, if you look at the past few years, have been toxic as fuck in Jacksonville Jalen Ramsey out tell me that guy wasn't a toxic fool Yannick Ngakwe he's wanted out all offseason and they fumbled the bag because they should have gotten a first or second round pick for him and for whatever reason they just didn't that guy is good enough to get a high draft pick and they just let him sit there and rot it reminds me of Trent Williams last year in Washington and Washington wasn't very good last year Leonard Fournette wants to be in Jacksonville for whatever reason, he likes it. He's enjoyed his time there. He's, he's maintained a positive image throughout all of this. And the Jags declined his fifth-year option. And I get you can make the argument it's not smart to play running backs. That is the best guy on your team. That is the best player on your team. And you do not give a shit about him. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are just destined to be a dumpster fire this year. And you can't convince me otherwise because I think this is a team that top-down is devoid of a lot of talent, I think they have the worst quarterback room in football, and they have a really dysfunctional system, not to mention Doug Marone. I don't th- I don't think I mentioned Doug Marone. Doug Marone had the Bills at 9-7 with Kyle Orton. This guy's a snake. He was building something great in Buffalo. Syracuse guy, Western New York, liked him a lot. 9-7, they almost make the playoffs in 2014 to end the drought. He leaves. He leaves for Jacksonville, which is worse. He left to be an offensive coordinator. It wasn't even about the money.
1: Offensive line coach, but it was about the money because he got paid in full for his contract to Buffalo by opting out. That guy is a businessman.
0: But he's Don't like, He's it. a snake, and he's going to foster a toxic environment in Jacksonville and nobody's going to buy into what he's got going on. And the Quick Jack-
1: parting thoughts on Jacksonville because we spent way too much time on this. But okay. I will say they've done a great job. The three most important areas of a football team that you need to be great at in terms of players, they suck at. They have a horrible secondary, they have a horrible quarterback, and they have a horrible offensive line. Which is they, I think they have talent in everywhere else except those three areas, which was going to lead to them having a good core but being really bad. So it's an incredibly great tank job by them. A-plus.
0: We'll see about it. Jacksonville Jaguars, I think in 2020, they're going to be one of three or four teams in contention for the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. Let's move to happier thoughts. The AFC West, I'll just tell you what I have before you you can go in on this division. I have the Chiefs at 13 and three. I have the Raiders at seven and nine. I have the Chargers and Broncos each at six and 10. What are your thoughts on this division other than Kansas City is going to score 800,000 points and, and win it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kansas City's bringing their entire roster back. Like, I just want everyone to be aware of the fact that Kansas City won the Super Bowl and are returning, I believe, 20 of their 22 starters. That is nuts. That is unheard of. That's just not how this is supposed to work. So they're going to be great. I am at 14-2. I have the Chargers in 8-8. Eight and eight. I have them making the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. Just edging out the 8-8 eight and eight Texans, which sounds ridiculous the more I say it, but I'm sticking with it anyways because this is what we have. Tyrod Taylor, Good enough to not lose you football games. Chargers roster, very talented. And really the difference between last year's Chargers and this year's Chargers is that their quarterback isn't just going to throw away a bunch of games this year because Tyrod Taylor doesn't really make any mistakes. He's not going to make any exciting plays, but the Chargers, I don't think, need to make a bunch of exciting plays. They just have a lot of talent on this team. So I got the Chargers 8-8 eight and eight, making the playoffs second in this division. Uh, I have the Broncos at 6-10, and 10, another one of these high range of outcome teams we talked about. I think Denver can make the playoffs. I think that's well within the range of possibilities. I just don't see it. Schedule's tough. And I just don't know how sold I am on Drew Locker, just I'm going to be honest. And uh, he showed some some good flashes at the end of last season and they, they're they definitely all in on Drew Lock. I am just a, a little skeptical still. I want to see I want to see what Drew Lock looks like going into this year, knowing he is the guy. I have the Raiders at five and 11 in last place in this division. I don't hate the Raiders. But I think this is probably a Derek Carr Swan song in well Vegas, I guess, now since it's their first year there. But uh with the Raiders organization, I think this is probably it for him. I just I just don't think they've surrounded enough pieces around him that, you know, they drafted a bunch of wide receivers, but I don't know if they drafted the right wide receivers. And the defense is still not great. And honestly. I'm probably low-balling the Raiders because they exceeded all of my expectations last year. Their draft class exceeded all of our expectations last year as well. And you know what? Maybe John Gruden is just that much smarter than all of us that he's just plucking guys out that we think stink and turns them into good football players. And, you know, it is what it
0: is. Maybe we're all idiots and John Gruden's a genius. But I got him at five and a lot. We'll see about John Gruden. I'm not that convinced. But, uh, yeah, I I think – you you say that Tyrod Taylor is a guy who doesn't lose football games. Speaking on my experience with him in Buffalo, that's absolutely true. He deserves more credit than he gets for being the quarterback that led the Bills to end their playoff drought, and I think we agree on that. Tyrod Taylor, though, I think it's just a similar situation to what he had in Cleveland. He comes in to a situation with an opportunity to start. There's a rookie quarterback that was – drafted pretty highly and there's going to be some pressure from the 12 fans in los angeles to start justin herbert so i had the chargers at six and ten with the caveat that justin herbert was probably going to start at least eight games especially if they started slow so that was my prediction for the chargers
1: uh i just want to say i think the big difference between cleveland and la for tyrod is that anthony lynn really believes in tyrod taylor and like yep. that, that's his guy. He brought him in last year to be the backup and he kept him here and he's made him the starter. And you know, that's, that's his guy. And I respect Anthony Lynn standing behind his guy the way he has. Whereas in Cleveland, you know, they brought Tyrod in and they're like at the time, I don't think they really knew what they wanted to do with the first overall pick. Cause I think there was a point in time where Cleveland was really thinking about going Josh Allen. And I think if it was Josh Allen, number one, overall, you probably wanted to play Tyrod for the whole season because the thought at that time is you probably want Josh Allen to sit for a year. Uh, They go Baker Mayfield. Tyrod was just a disaster. Cleveland was bad. Cleveland's very dysfunctional. We know this. So Baker kind of stepped right in. I think the Chargers have a much better foundation there where I don't think they're going to stink immediately. I think Tyrod should be able to hold on to the job. And I think it not only benefits the Chargers this year, but it benefits the Chargers long-term to let Justin Herbert sit for a year behind Tyrod Taylor. Because, by the way, I think Justin Herbert, outside of the fact that he has a much bigger arm than Tyrod Taylor, they play very similarly. They're, he, he's, Ty, Justin Herbert, pretty mobile. Tyrod Taylor, a mobile quarterback. They like, to, they, they like to beat you in the intermediate areas. Justin Herbert likes to take a few more shots than Tyrod does, but really their games are quite similar in my opinion. So I think it's a good mentor for Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, Tyrod's definitely more polished at this point, which is weird to say because I don't think Tyrod Taylor is that polished of an NFL quarterback, but we have to move on. Let's talk NFC East. This division, I think, is set to underwhelm us again. And I think we disagree. I know we disagree on who's going to win this division. I mean, it's pretty
1: easy. The Philadelphia Eagles won this division last year with nine wins, playing with dudes off the street, former quarterbacks catching passes, and they improved tremendously this offseason. They add Darius Slay and Nikel Robey Coleman to a secondary that was just downright dreadful last year. It was an atrocity. At the cornerback position for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had no speed on their offense last year with Deshaun Jackson hurt. Elshon Jeffrey missed a bunch of games. Jeffrey expected to be back healthy. Deshaun Jackson should be back healthy. And then you add Jalen Rieger and Marquise Goodwin, a couple of speedsters. I really like Jalen Rieger. You got another year of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz in that tight end room. You got a year two of Miles Sanders. I really like what the Eagles have working. work, and I expect them to add a veteran backup running back at some point. There's still some good ones out there right now. So I like the Eagles to go 10-6. and six. I think this is – and, by the way, their front, their defense to front, which is where I think games are won in the NFL nowadays defensively, they got a bunch of dogs on their defensive line. And Malik Jackson should be back healthy this year. You got Fletcher Cox, you got Brandon Graham, you got Derek Barnett. They got some guys who can get after the quarterback. So I really like this Eagles team. I got them going 10-6. and six. I got them winning the NFC East.
0: I'm basically going to disagree with just about everything you just said, except for the fact that the Eagles are an improved roster. After my claims last week, I I did reflect and review that talent on that roster. They are much improved. So Philadelphia Eagles. One, I think that the division is going to be mediocre, but I think it's going to be more competitive within the division because Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins should both be in – Markedly better positions this year in the NFC East, and those teams should be able to be more competitive with the teams on top of the division. Like going, ooh, we. When when the Eagles lose one or two games to the Giants or Redskins this year, don't freaking at me. That probably will happen. Two. The Eagles play a loaded schedule. It's loaded, and when the schedule was dropped, me and you looked at the Eagles schedule, and we were both like, well, that's no fun. Yeah, they play a first place schedule in the inside of the NFC East is always sloppy. So I'm not just going to sit there and say, oh, I think they're going to sweep the division. I honestly think the NFC East, all of the teams could finish three and three within the division. So I look at the outside roster. I look at the talent. and I look at the ability to stay healthy. I don't think the Eagles training staff is any good. I saw a good training staff last year in Buffalo. I saw a bad one in Philadelphia. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz—all of those guys are going to miss time this year. All of them. Don't Carson at me. Wentz played sixteen games last year. Yeah, I know. Congrats on Carson Wentz. Tell, tell me another time he did that in the previous two years. He didn't. He's played sixteen games twice in his career. Once was last year, and once was the first year of his career. And besides that, Carson Wentz was injured for the playoffs last year. Like he still got hurt, even though he Started played. Started the game and Jadeveon Clowney
1: cheap shot at him. Don't care. He's
0: still like, got it That's not an
1: indictment on Carson Wentz's ability to stay healthy. It's an indictment on headshots in the NFL. Is it,
0: is it an indictment on Carson Wentz's playing style that it's not conducive to being healthy? What, like Josh it, Allen he was, or like Cam Newton? He was in the pocket and got Don't hit. Don't Jadavian Clowney. Don't like, at me. Wrong. And this is why Jadavian Clowney's still inside. Whatever conspiracy theories. But the Eagles, I have them eight and eight, and I have the Cowboys winning this division. The Eagles' schedule, even if they're healthy. I think they're a 9 or a 10 win team at best. So that lends them to finishing 8 and 8 within the range of outcomes because they have to play. These are the losses I have. The Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Dallas Cowboys, the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, and the Cowboys. Tell me the they Cowboys, can't lose eight games. The Cowboys have to play all of these teams though. So you talk about how difficult the Eagles' schedule is.
1: The Cowboys are playing the same damn schedule. Every team you just said, except flip the Cowboys for the Eagles,
0: are on the Cowboys' schedule except for New Orleans. but I think the Cowboys' roster has actually been phenomenal, and they've been held back by Jason Garrett, who's finally gone. And I think Mike McCarthy isn't particularly good, but he should be better than Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is a bad football coach. Don't at me. He's not good. And Agreed. honestly, Jerry Jones, if his hey, ego wasn't Dallas Texas, this year? who's throwing passes? Dak Prescott. What? Are they going to sign him to a contract? How about? They have how to. About they You they talk have about to. the Cleveland
1: Browns and the dysfunction there. How about the dysfunction in Dallas? And that's why they're eight and eight every single year. Which is why I have them at eight and eight again this year because the Cowboys are the most dysfunctional franchise in the entire NFL. They're a freaking circus sideshow every single week. And they're an absolute joke. And so, no, they're not going to win this division, as good as I might think their roster is. And by the way, their roster went backwards this offseason. Byron Jones is gone. Their secondary took a big hit. You want to talk about guys who can't stay healthy? They got a bunch of guys on the defense side of the football that have a lot of injury issues on their team. Amari Cooper just flat out disappears whenever he matches up against a good cornerback. So I don't want to hear about the Dallas Cowboys now they're going to win this division
0: (laughs) and beat the Eagles twice. That's an absolute joke. You see... Amari Cooper can disappear when you add someone like CD Lamb. It, and I think that the Cowboys skill position players, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, I think it's the best group in the league. It's the so, second time today you've said that a team had the best skill position group in the league. Yeah, so and I'm just lying. You're I mentioned lying to the people. I mentioned the Cowboys when I mentioned the Browns. So I honestly think the there's Cow- two teams with the best skill position players in the league, guys, just so you know. No, I said that the Browns were in the conversation. I did not anoint them. Run it back. Okay, we will. We'll go to the tape. But, yeah, I have the Cowboys. Mike has the Eagles. Do you want to make a board bet on this? Yeah, I'd absolutely love to. Okay, we'll put it on the board. I have the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Mike has the Eagles. And if the Giants or Redskins pull it out, we'll call it Which a wash. Which is watch. not going to happen. But, yeah, I have the Cowboys at 9-7, and seven, the Eagles at 8-8, eight and eight, and I have the Giants and Redskins each winning three games. So that's where I'm at. I just think, honestly, Giants and Redskins fans that are our listeners, each of those teams are going to win more than three games. This is just how the schedule broke when I was filling it out, and I was just like chalk. So I think they're going to win four to six each, but based on my predictions, which were pretty chalk, based on roster talent that I perceive, I had them both winning three games. So I, I think we can agree Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins this year compared to last year with, with who was it, Ben McAdoo, and Whoever the co- Jay Gruden, two of the more dysfunctional coaches in the NFL.
1: Oh uh, no, it wasn't Ben McAdoo. Who? It was the former Vikings coordinator who got fired, and I can't remember his name. So I'm gonna Google his name for you, and we you love continue.
0: Google. Google is free here. at The guys like sports podcast, and it's free everywhere. But yeah, give me, <laughs> give me uh, the Daniel Jones experience with Joe Judge and some of the things they've done this offseason, minus DeAndre Baker getting arrested, I think that the Giants are in a better place than they were last year. And I can Pat see his, Shermer, there's his name. Pat Shermer, yes. And I think that the Redskins with Ron Rivera, I think we can agree, Ron Rivera is a pretty decent football coach. By the way, another parting thought on this division, while
1: we're still on it, we're in a shortened offseason, and every team in this division has a new football coach this year, except the Philadelphia Eagles. Which is another huge advantage. They have a ton of continuity compared to these other teams.
0: We'll see about it. We'll see about it. You're excited? I'm gonna I'm gonna fade the Eagles this year, and we'll talk more about it later. Oh, on. And by the
1: way, I think Dwayne Haskins is in a terrible position to succeed because the Redskins are a dysfunctional mess, and their offensive line is terrible still.
0: Yeah, but I think that the Redskins finally have we both like Antonio Gibson and Antonio gandy Golden, and we both love Chase Young. So, I think that the Redskins did a lot of good things in the draft this year. And I think that Ron Rivera is the best coach that they've had there in the last decade. NFC North, because we need to keep moving. I have the Packers and the Vikings both at 12 and 4, Vikings winning the division on a tiebreak. And then I have the Lions at 4 and 12 and the Bears at 2 and 14. The Bears, like I mentioned earlier, I think the Bears, the Jaguars, the Redskins, and the Patriots are probably going to be the contenders for the number one pick. I really like the Vikings. I really like the Packers. The Vikings drafted an entirely new roster this year, which is going to be exciting. And they bring back some of their skill position studs like Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Madison, Phelan, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. They're all there. Like there's going to be some continuity to go with the new guys in Minnesota. So I like them a lot. I like their potential. And really the schedule for the NFC North as a whole isn't bad. Yeah, Vikings winning the division – And Aaron Rodgers in year one, I know that there's some controversy right now. They draft Jordan Love first round, and the Packers can't do anything, you know, right as far as getting Rodgers more weapons. But I think there's something to be said about the Green Bay Packers when in year one of Matt Lafleur they won 13 games and were a game away from a Super Bowl. They got waxed by San Francisco, but they were still there. So I think the Packers—it's too soon to say that they aren't legitimate contenders. What are your thoughts here, Mike?
1: Uh, I got the Packers missing the playoffs. Let's start there. I got the Vikings. Yeah.
0: No no bias, right? No, no bias there.
1: Uh, genuinely, I, I went, you know I went through the schedule a couple of times to nail down my final predictions, and the Packers never won more than nine games for me. And it's, it's, it's not a product of me being biased against the Packers. If you don't know, I'm a Vikings fan. But it's just a matter of I look at this Packers team, and I think they overachieved defensively last year to an extent. They didn't really add much on defense they went to the draft and they added zero day one impact players and they didn't do anything in free agency. So I don't know where they improved on a roster that I know won 13 games last year, but I think is, was more flawed than people would acknowledge. And I think it was exposed when they played really high quality football teams, like the San Francisco 49ers last year, who just absolutely ran them out of the building two separate occasions. They're on the schedule again this year. So uh, I would expect them to get run out of the building in that game again. I just look at this Packers team and I just have a hard time seeing them being really successful. I get the Vikings at 11 to five, a lot of new pieces. Uh, Mike Zimmer's a really good football coach. Kirk Cousins was, has really solidified himself. Uh, I think an interesting thing that's happened from the beginning of last year to now, Curtis, that's been completely not talked about at all. Kirk Cousins is widely accepted as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL now. And I, I didn't ever think we would reach that point, but I think no one really argued Kirk Cousins is like a top 12 quarterback in the league at this point. Which is crazy to me. Because when they signed his contract, I just thought it was gonna be a disaster.
0: Yeah, no, Kirk Cousins, for the eighty-four million he was guaranteed, I genuinely think he's lived up to the expectations. Now the knock on him is that his record in games against teams that are above five hundred, it's still atrocious. But he's been winning in Minnesota consistently the last two years, and I don't think that changes now that Diggs is gone based on the draft class that they just brought in. So Kirk Cousins, I think we can agree, is, has been a good NFL quarterback in Minnesota. I think you're very quick to discount the Packers and what they're going to be able to accomplish. I just think, here's what I think. I think the NFC North schedules last year were really soft. I think the
1: Packers beat up on a lot of bad teams, and when they played good teams, they got exposed. They got beat at home by the Philadelphia Eagles last year. They got beat by San Francisco on two separate occasions. And so they did have some nice wins. Like I just really wonder, is this team as great as we think they were based on their record last year, or was their record a product of the schedule and having Aaron Rodgers?
0: I mean, you can you can wonder that they still be the Vikings twice and went thirteen and three. So, and you're
1: absolutely right. But I think if you look at those two Vikings game, there's kind of, like I have them splitting the season series this year. Yeah, me too. And you know when I look at it, I, I think they win in Green Bay and lose in Minnesota, and I think that probably would have been the case last year too, but the second time they played Green Bay, the whole team was was dying, and the Vikings rolled out Mike Boone, and when the Vikings don't have Delvin Cook, they're just not the same football team, quite frankly. I just want to talk about the rest of the division quickly. I got the Lions at seven and nine. I think their upside is a potential playoff team, and that might be a little bit of a hot take, but honestly, I like what the Lions did this offseason. I really like Matthew Stafford. I think he's incredibly underappreciated. Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are a legit one-two tandem that's as, as good as any one-two in the NFL, in my opinion. TJ Hawkinson in his second year, you add DeAndre Swift to that backfield. I like what the Lions are doing. They got some, some nice things cooking up there. It's just a matter of if the defense can pull together and be mildly competent for once. And then I got the Bears at 3-13. I have them finishing dead last in the NFC North and dead last in the NFC as a whole. I just think the quarterback situation is a mess, and the defense... It's just, and it's just the nature of the beast in the NFL with defenses. It's so hard to keep it together. And they lost Vic Fangio last year, and I think it was really not talked about enough because their defense did take a step back without him there. And I, I have a feeling it's going to continue to trend in that direction. They do still have a lot of good young talent. It, it, I mean, just ask Jacksonville. It's just so hard if you lose your coordinator and you have a bunch of moving pieces at times like the Bears are starting to have. It's, it's tough to keep that defense top of the notch.
0: Yeah, and it's tough to survive on a good defense when you don't have a good quarterback. And similar to the Blake Bortles experience in Jacksonville, Mitchell Trubisky is Blake Bortles. Can we agree on that? They remind me of the same guy. Like, they're mobile quarterbacks. They're big guys. Coming out of the draft, they were like, oh, this is the physical archetype you want in a quarterback. And then you take somebody like Mitchell Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. That's, that's going to go down as one of the worst draft picks of all time, right up there with Ryan Leaf because of who came out after Mitchell Trubisky. And so the Bears, again, we both don't like them. Where did you have them, 4-12? and
1: 3-13. Uh, and 3-13, I
0: have them at 2-14. and 14. And really, I don't think the defense can carry an offense with – like I said, the, the Bears legitimately could roll out a lineup of Nick Foles in 10 tight ends on offense. They added that no skill guys. That could be their 11 is Nick Foles in 10 tight ends right now. I, I think that's they,
1: the really – the really scary thing is here. Their offense was not good last year. Obviously. No, it was Mitchell Trubisky was bad, and they did nothing to address it. It's Allen Robinson and a bunch of bunch of scrubs. Like Anthony Miller is the number two wide receiver this year. I love like, Allen Robinson. It's, I love, love Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, Alan Robinson super talented, and Has played on. He was on Jacksonville with play Bortles, and he was on. Chicago. Yeah, he.
0: Can we just talk about this? Allen Robinson might be having a DeAndre Hopkins caliber career to this point if he had a freaking quarterback. Allen Robinson is probably one of the six or seven most talented receivers in the National Football League, and this guy has just been in quarterback hell by drawing Chad Henne, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and now Nick Foles. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's really been a tough scene for Allen Robinson. Can't. Extend my condition. By the way,
1: I just want to talk about the Packers one more time because I pulled up their schedule from last year, right? So they won 13 games. Yep. And that's super impressive. I just want to go through these because when you actually look at it, it's not an impressive 13 wins. I know that sounds ridiculous. They won 13 games and you can only play what's in front of you, but they got lucky in a lot of cases. So, week one, in the worst season opener I've ever watched in my life, they beat the Bears by a score of 10 to three, which was just a horrible game. It was a terrible we game. All, we all hated that. They, they turned around week two, they hosted Minnesota. Kirk Cousins throws an interception in the end zone at the end of that game. They win that one. Week three, they play the Broncos, who were still starting Case Keenum or Joe Flacco or whoever the hell was playing quarterback for them last year, and they beat them. Week four, they lose to Philadelphia. Week five, they beat Dallas, who was just dysfunctional all last year, again, with Jason Garrett. They beat Detroit by one point on a Monday night in a game where they got 8,000 calls in their favor. It was absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. They beat Oakland in week seven, who stunk. They beat Kansas City in week eight. Now, that sounds great in theory, except Patrick Mahomes didn't play in this game. This was Matt Moore, and they beat Matt Moore by seven points. They turn around week nine, they get absolutely punked by the Chargers. Turn around week 10, they beat Kyle Allen and the Carolina Panthers. 11 is a bye. They get punked in week 12 off of the bye week by San Francisco. They had the bye week, they come out, they lose by 30. Week 13, they beat the Giants with a rookie quarterback and a team that was terrible. Week 14, they beat the Redskins, who were terrible. Week fifteen, they beat the Bears again, who were terrible. Week sixteen, they beat the Vikings without Belvin Cook. And then week seventeen, they beat the Lions without Matt Safford. So I'm just saying, like 13 wins, you could say what
0: you want, but goddamn, that was the least impressive 13 wins I've ever gone through in my life. When you put it like that, I, mean, I I kind of agree with you, but I still have some level of faith in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams because those and three by guys the way, are ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers is regressing. Aaron Rodgers was That's not absolutely good. true. That's absolutely true. We need to move on, sake of time. Also, one last parting shot for the Detroit Lions. I had him at four and twelve. I think the Lions could be a playoff team this year because it's gonna come down to how good is Matt Patricia actually. Year one on the job, you know, growing pains. I think they won five or six games two years ago. Year two, he loses Matt Stafford and he's rolling out David Blau. I think you can excuse a three or four win season that they had last year. So we're going to learn a lot about Detroit and how good Matt Patricia is because Matt Stafford is really good at what he does, and that's slinging the football down the field. He's got one of the strongest arms the NFL has ever seen. And they have skill position players who fit the bill of being a really good offense. TJ Hawkinson should take a step forward. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are both very good football players. Like Kenny Galladay is one of the better receivers in the league that doesn't get talked about. You know, I compared him to – Being on the same level as someone like Stephon Diggs, I think he's right in that echelon with Stephon Diggs, Jarvis Landry, maybe Adam Thielen to name a few of the guys around the league. So I like Kenny Galladay a lot. And then in the backfield, they have Kerryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift, who should be, if they're healthy, one of the better backfield duos in the league. This offense should work. It's going to come down to does the defense work and is Matt Patricia a good head football coach? Yeah, you're absolutely right because Matt Matt Patricia was hired because
1: Matt Stafford's never had good defenses, and Matt Patricia was the defensive guy. And And he hasn't delivered. He hasn't delivered so far. And there's two pieces there. Trey Flowers is a really good pass rusher up front. You got Desmond Trufant and Jeffrey Okuda as your, your corners out there. And we know that New England system, which is the system Patricia is running, you have to have great corners. So they have two really, really good corners now. So if Matt Patricia is as good a football coach as he was supposed to be when he got hired for this job, this should work. So we're going to find out, like you said, just how good Matt Patricia is at his job. And if it goes horribly, he'll just end up back in New England as the defensive coordinator figure out again.
0: Yeah, I agree. We need to move When to the, the Patriots
1: NF- draft Trevor Lawrence and win 10 more Super Bowls.
0: Let's <laughs> well, not talk about the Bill Belichick dynasty, please. Let's move forward to NFC South. Give me your predictions for this division, Michael. I think we're going to have pretty much the same thing.
1: Yeah, so this division is uh, very good. There's There's lots of good football here. First of all... This might be the best quarterback division in the league, by the way. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, oh, Teddy Bridgewater. No, no, there,
0: there is no might. There is no might. This is the best quarterback division in football. Continue. Yeah,
1: I had I had to think about it. The NFC West is close. The NFC West is close. But yeah, I, need I, more,
0: I need I need more Kyler and Jimmy G to confirm that. Fair we'll enough.
1: Continue. Um we'll talk about Jimmy G when we get to them though. But
0: I got the Saints at 13 and 3.
1: I think top to bottom, this might be the best roster in football. And the only reason they don't win as many games for me is Kansas City and Baltimore do is because I think the NFC is a little tougher and their division's a little tougher than those two play in. But I got them at 13-3 winning the NFC South. I got Buccaneers at 12-4. and Buccaneers got a lot of talent. They had, I believe, at one point last year, their number one run defense defensive football. I don't know if it held up through the end of the year, but their pass defense was dead last and Jameis Winston threw 30 picks. So really, Tom Brady shouldn't be throwing picks. And that will help the defense. So I think altogether it should really be a good turn on. They still won seven games doing all that, by the way. So like, it's not like the Buccaneers were a dumpster fire last year. They won seven games. Good football team. Tom Brady steps in. It should go well. I got Atlanta at eight and eight. Atlanta's tricky. Atlanta really is. We well, um, talked about p- it. Quite question, did you,
0: do you have Tampa Bay at 10 and six and Atlanta at eight and
1: eight? I have Tampa Bay at 12
0: and four. Okay. Continue.
1: Uh, Yeah. I have Atlanta at eight and eight. They're tricky because I think the pieces are all still there for them to be a playoff team, but they play in such a tough division. Like, if Matt Bryan's the third best quarterback in a division, we really got an issue, and he might be better than Tom Brady at this point, truthfully. They got Todd Gurley now in that backfield. I think it's an upgrade over Devontae Freeman as long as his knee functions. Still got Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley. You'll lose Austin Hooper. Hayden Hurst, I think, can fill that role not as well, but admirably. And I think the defense, if they could just stay healthy for once in their goddamn lives, it could be a pretty good unit but they just never can stay healthy, and it's just a disaster year after year defensively. And so that's why I have them at 8-8. I just just don't know if I believe uh, in that defense enough at this point. And I got the Panthers at 6-10. If the Panthers played in a different division, I'd have them with a much better record. But unfortunately, they're stuck in the NFC South. I really like what Matt Rule and Joe Brady have come in and implemented. I, I really think this is going to be one of the better offenses in football. I think this is a really underrated skill position group we're talking about best skill groups in the league Christian McCaffrey DJ Moore Curtis Samuel Robbie Anderson is a hell of a skill position group in my opinion I think uh, a lot of people don't realize just how good Curtis Samuel is because he doesn't quite get the the volume that maybe he would elsewhere
0: I love Curtis Samuel that guy just he makes big plays and he scores touchdowns that's all he does And and DJ Moore is a guy who was an absolute monster last year. If you didn't know, he was he,
1: I believe he finished the year top five in the NFL in receiving yards, catching Defense. the football from Kyle Allen and Will Greer and whoever else. And Christian McCaffrey was the best quarterback on the team last year. So uh, the Panthers, I think offense is going to be good. Defense is really young. So I got him at six and five.
0: So we have the same order of standings. I have the Saints at 14 and two. I've talked a lot about skill position players today. I won't say the Saints have the best skill position group in football. Somebody can make because you can't, you can't do that again for the yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I can't do that again. I think the Saints have the best one, two, three punch in football between Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas. And I think you can agree with that. The depth may be lacking a little bit, but and Emmanuel Sanders is a huge upgrade. You over stole my thunder because I was going to mention. When was the last time Drew Brees had a great number two receiver? Emmanuel Sanders is a great. Number two receiver. You think about the best years of Emmanuel Sanders' career. It came in Denver and in Pittsburgh when he was the number two guy next to Demarius Thomas and next to Antonio Brown. Emmanuel Sanders is built to thrive on number two corners. And I think even at age 32, 33, he's going to come into New Orleans and he's going to have 800 or 900 yards and be really effective.
1: And he was pretty good in San Francisco last year after he went there. And I don't yeah. think they, they ran the ball a lot, so he didn't get a ton of opportunities.
0: But he, he was really good for them. He was the number two receiver next to George Kittle. That's what he was. So Emmanuel and Debo Samuel by the end of it. Yeah, I would say Samuel passed him after week fourteen or fifteen. But Emmanuel Sanders is going to make this offense something really special. I have the Saints at fourteen and two. I have the Bucs at ten and six. I think I'm a little less bullish just because to to get to twelve wins, you have to start fast and you have to finish strong. I think the Bucs could start three and three four and three it's going to take time for that unit to be cohesive when you're introducing Tom Brady Rob Gronkowski Keyshawn Vaughn they don't have a new head coach but a new head coach quarterback combo that usually takes time to mesh the Packers got 13 wins out of it last year but as you just went over it was a really mediocre 13 wins I think Bruce Arians is built to get the most out of Tom Brady but it's going to take some time you have some thoughts here I just think they get
1: a really soft schedule at the beginning, which is huge, because I also agree with you. I think it's going to be slow rolling out of the gates. I think they definitely dropped that week one game against New Orleans, but they get to go after that home against Carolina, at the Broncos, home the Chargers, at the Bears, home the Packers. That's their first six. I think they get a I don't think
0: that, soft schedule. I think those games are winnable. I don't think it's soft, because I think the Chargers, Broncos, Packers, those are losable football games. I think it's soft. Y- you think it's soft? Okay. Well, I have the Bucs in the playoffs, rest assured. I am at 10 and six. I have the Falcons also at eight and eight, and I have the Panthers at five and 11. We both like Matt rule. His MO is tear the thing down year one and be really good in year two. And he's done that everywhere he went in college football. And I think he knows how to construct a roster. And he started to do that with the pieces that have been added to Carolina. uh, When you talk about Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, and then on the defensive side of the ball. But for Carolina, they just lost so many high impact guys between Ron Rivera, Cam Newton, Greg Olson, Luke Kuechly. This is going to be a brand new team. In it's Carolina. a
1: complete culture overhaul. Forget yes. talent. It's a complete culture overhaul.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have Carolina 5-11, but I think that's going to be a very fun 5-11 team that plays close in a lot of games. Like when Carolina's on the TV this year, I'm going to be very interested in watching them play. I don't know if you agree it, with that.
1: I am definitely agree with that, especially as a two-time DJ Moore Dynasty League owner. Uh, I will note, Teddy Bridgewater, even though he did get the big contract this offseason, he is on the clock here because Matt Rule, we mentioned, he tears it down. This is this is a test drive for Teddy Bridgewater. He's giving them some pieces. We're like, all right, Teddy, we'll see what you can do. If if they're not great this year, offensively, they're not going to be great record wise I think we both agree with that. But if, if Teddy doesn't show Matt Rule what he wants to see and doesn't show Joe Brady what he's looking for, I wouldn't be surprised if they go quarterback in the first round because oh, there's yeah. a lot of high-level quarterbacks coming out. So I mean, there's at this. Least three. This really is. A, yeah, I think we both agree there's three really good guys coming in this draft in the first round. So I think this is a little bit of a test drive for Teddy Bridgewater. Truthfully, I think he'll pull through. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to end up being the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers moving forward because I, I I really liked what he showed last year in New Orleans, and I think the continuity with Joe Brady working with him before is huge for him.
0: Yeah, I agree uh in one closing thought I think Trey Lance is a Matt Rule guy if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't work out you might agree or disagree but I think that's the ideal fit because I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be in that number one pick discussion but I think Justin Fields and Lawrence are going to get talked about a lot Trey Lance is going to be a phenomenal consolation prize for whoever ends up with Trey Lance and not many people really I want to, I want to see one more of Trey Lance but man Trey Lance He's and Christian good. McCaffrey
1: in the backfield. He fun. is good, man. Trey Lance and I got to tell you, with the weapons there, and if you just put Trey Lance in that offense, that's that's explosions. That's like I don't want to. Okay, I don't want to make crazy comparisons. So please, just don't don't think this is necessarily. We're gonna say fun. Barry
0: Sanders. No, I'm just kidding. No, no.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say something ridiculous here. But okay, just just hear me out here. That's like some Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs types of firework situation potentially, potentially. And we still got to see one more year of Trey Lance at North Dakota State before I want to go that far. But I, that with the guys they have
0: there, Trey Lance, I don't know. It's I agree. We have to move on for the sake of time. NFC West, I'm going to get through this really quick. Every time I did this scheduling exercise, the NFC West came now loaded as far as winning percentage because apparently I love Seattle and San Francisco, and I think the Cardinals are going to be competitive. And for whatever reason, I love the Rams. Because even though it's been dysfunctional with their salary cap spending, there's still a shit ton of talent in Los Angeles. So I have the 49ers 13 wins. I have Seattle with 12, the Rams with 10, and I have the Cardinals at 6 and 10.
1: I don't have a team in this division with less than eight wins. I believe it. <laughs> so I have San Francisco coming in at 12 and 4. Um, this, this, that team is stacked. It's, it's absolutely stacked. Seattle, I have a 10-6. Russell Wilson will win you 10 games. If you give him me, Curtis, and uh, three dudes off the street, he'll go win 10 games because that's just what Russ does. Correct. I got Arizona at 9-7, sneaking in as the last playoff team. I love Cliff Kingsbury. I love Kyler Murray. They add DeAndre Hopkins. This offense is going to be as fun as any offense in the league. And the defense has some playmakers. There's there some guys who can really make some big plays on the defense side of the ball. Buda Baker has really come on the last couple of years. Patrick Peterson still there in Arizona. They add Isaiah Simmons, Chandler Jones, the most underrated sack artist in all of the NFL. And it's not close. Arizona has a lot of talent and I don't think people are really catching on to it quite and yet. Cause we're still in Mac.
0: I think Arizona's talent too. They don't have guys who have pressing injury concerns. They're skill position players have been notoriously healthy. When you look at DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake, Kyler Murray, uh, Christian Kirk, and Larry Fitzgerald, they're going to maintain a healthy core. It's a perfect scenario for Kyler Murray to develop. And I think that we can place some hefty expectations on him for this season. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Okay, I I got got the Rams at eight and eight. eight. I like the Rams, but like you said, the salary is a
1: mess, and I don't believe in Jared Goff that much right now, and I don't know if they'll be able to overcome uh, the deficiencies. Their offensive line is still terrible. Uh, But quick thing on Arizona again, okay? So when I look at Arizona, right, Curtis, I think that the interesting thing about this is you would think, you know, with Arizona and Kyler Murray, and you think young team, this team is a really good mix of quality veterans – and young guys. You got guys like Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake and the Christian Kirks of the world who are good young players and a guy like Isaiah Simmons, but Chandler Jones, proven veteran, been productive, Patrick Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, like they have some big-time quality veteran contributors that I think lead to a really good mix for this team.
0: Yeah, I think the Cardinals have one of the more talented rosters on football because of the veterans you named and the influx of young talent that they have Kyler Murray, Isaiah Simmons, and I think that Josh Jones, too, the guy that fell to the third round, I think those three guys are studs. And that complements a veteran core that they have in place. So Cliff Kingsbury, with his offensive mindset, could be a lot of fun in Arizona this year. Mike's got the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl in a bet, so we love that. Yeah, he, he placed a, a $10 bet at plus, what, 6600 for for the Yes, Cardinals. sir. So I think that's an economical bet right there because it's going to pay out 670 bucks if it hits. Even so. though Curtis made fun of me when I made it. Go ahead. Yeah, but then they went out and traded for DeAndre Hopkins and everybody who could have fallen to them in the draft fell to them in the draft. I just see the future. You didn't know. Yeah, clearly. We didn't know that Bill O'Brien was really into David Johnson like that. It was a weird fetish thing. But let's talk about the playoff picture. AFC. I have the Ravens at the one seed with the bye. Chiefs are my two at 13 and three. Titans are my three seed. The Bills are my four seed. I said the Bills were going to get a home playoff team. They will on the strength of a bad division or on the weakness of a bad division. I have the Texans, Steelers, and Browns as my three wildcard teams. What do you got for me, Mike?
1: We have almost the exact same thing. I have the Ravens as my one. Chiefs as my two. Titans are my three. Bills are my four. I have the Browns as my five. The Steelers as my six. The Chargers are my seven. That is shockingly similar. We have six of the same teams. We have the first four in the exact same order. And so, after all this arguing we we just did
0: for the beginning of this episode, we have the exact same thing. Love that for us. Let's talk NFC. I have the Saints finishing with a one seed. I have the 49ers at the two with a 13 and three record. Saints and Ravens, by the way, both 14 and two with the bye weeks. 49ers at 13 and three. Vikings at 12 and four. The Cowboys are my four seed. I know you'll disagree. Nine and seven. I have the Packers as my five. The Seahawks as my six. And I have the Bucks as my seven with with a 10 and 6 record And, and this is noteworthy because i had the rams winning 10 games and missing the playoffs despite there being seven playoff teams this year which was interesting i think the nfc east or the nfc as a whole has about eight to nine teams that could be really good and then the bottom is going to be really bad
1: yeah so once again we're very similar uh the saints are my one seat with the bye the Niners are my two. The Vikings are my three. Uh, the Eagles are my four, obviously, because I picked them over the Cowboys. My five seed is Tampa Bay. Uh, my six is Seattle, and then my seven is Arizona sneaking in there as the seven seed. So very similar on both sides for us. Honestly, we're we're very much on the same page here, I think. And uh, overall, we argued for the whole episode and had we almost are.
0: the same thing. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Uh Conference championships, let's skip ahead. Who do you have coming out of the AFC in the conference championship game and the NFC in the conference championship game?
1: We'll start the AFC because this was really easy. There was no scenario where I didn't pick the Ravens and the Chiefs. And no matter how many times I could have ran through this situation, there was no scenario where I wasn't picking the Ravens and the Chiefs. So I have the Ravens hosting the Chiefs for the AFC championship game. And I have the Ravens getting over the hump this time around even though they didn't play last year, but getting over the hump in the playoffs this time around and advancing to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, I had a lot of upsets. It was chaos in the NFC. I had my number four seed Philadelphia Eagles hosting the NFC Championship game against the number six seed Seattle Seahawks. Interesting. And I had the Philadelphia Eagles winning to advance to the Super Bowl.
0: Interesting takes, Michael. I disagree. So in the AFC, I have Kansas City coming out. As a repeat AFC champion, because they returned the same roster, and Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the National Football League. And now he has another big time toy in Clyde Edwards dealer It was really, really easy. I don't have them beating the Baltimore Ravens in the championship game. I have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills in the championship game. And this guy, Mike, he's shrugging. I mean, they, it's such recent, a Homer pick. the recent history of the AFC, though, we've we've all talked about the Bills this year as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. If, if the Bills are going to be a legitimate contender this year, which a lot of people think they are, I don't have them in that echelon yet, and I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl, but they have to show that they can beat good teams in the playoffs. I think the Bills have a vengeance. They're ready to beat the Texans round one. That's my matchup. I have a rematch of the Bills-Texans in round one this time the bills are at home and this time the texans don't have deandre hopkins put the bills on the board uh, winning that game and then based on the recent history in the afc a lot of bad teams with good defenses have made the afc championship game i'm not going to call the titans a bad team but last year nobody expected the nine and seven titans to beat the baltimore ravens they waxed them they waxed them they beat them 28 12 the Jacksonville Jaguars, they made the AFC Championship game.
1: I picked the Jaguars for the Super Bowl that year.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, Blake Bortles was not a good quarterback. Like, I oh. think Josh Allen's better than Blake Bortles. I think, the Bills, I think the Bills, who played a one-score game against the Ravens last year, are much improved in 2020. Their regular season schedule is going to battle-test them, and if they beat some decent teams throughout the season and they beat Houston in round one – the Buffalo Bills can beat the Ravens in the divisional game to get to the conference championship. Here's game, my problem: where they're going to be waxed by Kansas City. Here's my problem: the Ravens have a damn good
1: defense. This they year do too. And the Ravens' run defense last year sucked, and pe- a lot of people don't realize that. And the reason the Ravens lost to the Titans last year is because their run defense sucked, and Derrick Henry went wild on them, and they didn't have a, a goddamn answer for it the whole game. Because their linebackers and their defensive line was terrible. They add Calais Campbell to their front, and they add Patty Queen to their linebacking core. Yeah. Those are huge upgrades. And so I think the Ravens' defense is going to be a lot better than it was last year. And it wasn't terrible last year. The run defense was terrible. The secondary was great. I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. I think the Ravens have a chance to be the best defense in football this year, potentially.
0: Well, you had the Saints and the 49ers both not making it to the conference championship game, and you didn't have the Vikings making it either. So if we're talking upset city, I think your NFC playoff picture is a lot less likely than the Bills winning one game in the AFC because my playoffs were pretty tough. 22 games. Um, I mean, I'll just, uh, let me bring you through my well, honesty. no, no, the, no. The, the one game you're questioning is the Bills over the Ravens. That's what Okay, but I had the Eagles beating the Buccaneers. I had the Seahawks
1: beating the Vikings. I had the Niners beating the Cardinals. So that sets you up with uh, divisional games of Eagles-Niners and Seahawks-Saints. And, I mean, I love the Saints, but I got to tell you, Kurt, as a Vikings fan who watches them do this every year, the Saints have a huge tendency to choke playoff games away. And Russell Wilson, if you give him a window to win a playoff game, he's going to take that shit right away from you. So that's what I think is going to happen there. And quite frankly,
0: I think the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league. So I haven't beat them in San Francisco. Okay, that's fair. I just – I have Buffalo versus Kansas City. I have Kansas City waxing the Bills. All right, final score of that game I have it 41-17, Casey. And then I have the New Orleans Saints – playing the San Francisco 49ers in a pretty chalk NFC, despite how good the top of that conference is. Pretty chalk at your one and two seed. It yep. is chalk. Well, I mean, getting there wasn't the most chalk because I have uh, the Cowboys and the Vikings both losing round one. So... Well, the Cowboys I, suck anyways. They're not even going to make the playoffs. I have the Chiefs over the Bills. I, I think I said 41-17. And then I have the Saints over the 49ers, 31-28. Why, like, are we, why are we making score predictions
1: in May? Just give me your winner.
0: Because these are my way too early score predictions. we, we got to love it, Michael. Anyway, so Super Bowl, Kansas City, New Orleans. It's really tough to repeat. This guy just went full chalk, by the way. Complete chalk city on your time. Okay, but la- the last seven Super Bowl champions have been one or two seeds. So what's but the point? We got a different format this year. So yeah. th- this is interesting. So really the one they're... seeds are even at a bigger advantage. So we should just have the Ravens Saints playing for both of us. But you don't
1: have the Ravens Saints.
0: No, because the Ravens are going to lose to Buffalo. Put it on the board.
1: So you think the number the only team that gets a bye in the AFC is going to come out and lose their first playoff game?
0: They did it last year realized. against Tennessee. They did it but last year. They were year the against only Tennessee. team with a bye. Who cares? Who bye. cares? Go Bills! Viva! And told me how big of an advantage it is, they have a bye. Yeah. They're
1: going to come out and get whacked by the bills. Yeah, and,
0: and, and well, you were making the argument that the, we have a different format, which should favor the bye week teams, but we neither of us agree with that. But we should favor the top two seeds based on recent history that only top to put two put a one seed
1: there. into the championship. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, so give me the Super, winner, Super Bowl winner. I, I got Drew Brees getting one before he retires. Drew Brees, 37-32 over the Chiefs. Stop making score predictions. We love it.
1: It's May 18th. Anyways, uh, the Saints are going to choke, so that's not going to happen. It's going to be Eagles-Ravens is going to be your terrible. Super Bowl this year. It's going to be Eagles-Ravens is going to be your Super Bowl this year. You literally and...
0: just picked the Eagles to spite me, for the record. That's no, that's happening. absolutely
1: not true. I think the Eagles are one of the best teams in football, and I, I like the draw they got, so this is how we got here. They're missing the playoffs. Don't at me. Incorrect. Anyways, ravens the Eagles your Super Bowl. The Ravens are going to win. Lamar Jackson might just repeat his MVP, and that defense is going to be – I'm just going to put it on the board now. That's going to be the best defense in football
0: this year interesting takes i like it a lot let's move on let's talk individual awards let's talk mvp voting and before we get to our top three in the mvp vote give me a couple sleepers that you have this year who could win the mvp all right first one matt stafford talked about it earlier in the in the
1: in the podcast guy's got a lot of great great weapons around him coming back from the injury and he's wildly underrated. I really like Matt Stafford. He's, he's one of my dark horses. Baker Mayfield, I got the Browns winning 12 games. We just talked about how good those skill guys are. I think he has a big bounce back here. Stefanski is going to go more of that play action that Baker thrives in. They're going to be a little more run heavy. I think it's a really good fit for Baker. I like him. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I told you we'd talk about him, man. Jimmy Garoppolo was really, really good last year. And no one really talked about it. And he was like top five in the NFL in passing touchdowns. And no one ever said a word about it because they're like, oh, the Niners just run the ball all the time. And it's just not true. And Jimmy Garoppolo is really one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think he gets appreciated enough at this point. But the guy's been really fantastic his entire NFL career. Like whenever he's been starting, he's been great. So give me Jimmy Garoppolo as a potential dark horse on a Niners
0: team that we both think is going to win a bunch of games. Okay. Okay. Uh, i have three sleepers and i think the third one you're gonna find very interesting so my sleeper picks two of them i think in the last couple of years we, we really it's hard to ignore the trend of breakout quarterbacks that are young so i think that kyler murray has to be on the radar i know you like him a lot he might be one of your top three and i think that josh allen if things go right, he's a sleeper. He's 50 to one. He's 50 this guy. Mike is fed off, but Josh Allen, if things go right in Buffalo, I'm not placing these expectations on him. This is why he's a sleeper pick, right? He's 50 to one. I think he's truly 50 to one, but he had 27 touchdowns to nine interceptions last year. Josh Allen is a dual threat quarterback. Cam Newton won an MVP with a way worse supporting cast than Josh Allen has this year. Games. Yeah, he won 15 games. The Bills could win 13 games this year. And if Josh Allen goes out and he becomes, he takes another step forward, has better accuracy numbers, better completion. The Bills
1: bias has been wild into in tonight. We've been Continue.
0: wild in with the Bills bias on the podcast. Dude, I'm having a great time. So this is why it's a sleeper pick, because on your sleeper picks you can have fun and just throw some shit at there and hope it sticks. So – Shit has hit the fan here on the Guys Like Sports podcast. Give me Kyler Murray. Give me Josh Allen. And the sleeper I have is J.J. Watt. And that's with the caveat that J.J. Watt, (laughs) this guy might can't believe I just said J.J. Watt. But hear me out. J.J. Watt this year, he hasn't stayed healthy in a long time. And I I drag the Eagles for not being able to stay healthy. If J.J. Watt stays healthy – and the Texans are a playoff team, he is going to be a massive part of that because the offense stinks, and the secondary for the Texans stinks. So if the Houston Texans win 11 or 12 games, it's going to be the Deshaun Watson show on offense and the J.J. Watt show on defense. And I think J.J. Watt, we've seen it before, he's capable of having a 20-sack season. And last year, when he was healthy, he was destroying backfields. He's still getting double and triple teamed right? Like J.J. Watt is still an incredible defensive lineman. So Mike is baffled by this, but I think he can understand the rationale behind having someone like that as a sleeper. And really it was just because all of my MVP picks, the top three in voting were quarterbacks and both of my sleepers were quarterbacks. So I really felt the need to mix it up.
1: What in the hell are you talking about right now? J.J. Watt does not win the goddamn MVP. He, I, I just have no words for what you just sat here. And That's why it's a listening. sleeper
0: pick. If it's no, wrong, it's, i can just be like, it's, yeah, it's, of course he he's was. He's still going to be asleep by the time we hit on
1: MVP. The guy's going to be hard. He's going to miss like 12 games probably. Get a grip. You're nuts. I just, okay. that's all i got Jay, give, me, you, you, give me your can give we your, just talk me. about you put the texans in the playoffs and you didn't even mention jj watt when we talked about the texans earlier now he's a goddamn mvp title. we had to
0: move along for the sake of time i didn't get through all my notes i'm sorry okay talk to me tell me your top three for mvp Oh, uh, lamar
1: jackson is my pick to win mvp again because the ravens are going to win 14 games and the guy's just an electric factory love lamar jackson number two is patrick Mahomes because they're also going to win like 14 games and is he's an electric factory I mean this is easy number three is Kyler Murray you talked about it the second year quarterbacks uh unfortunately I think the streak ends at two straight years of the second year quarterbacks because the two guys who just won the MVP the last two years are still so goddamn good that I just don't know if Kyler's gonna be able to come it but I got the Cardinals making the playoffs he's definitely gonna be in the mix he's gonna have a huge year
0: okay my top three. Third, Patrick Mahomes we love the guy we, we've spent more time on this podcast, I think, talking about Patrick Mahomes than anybody else, so I'm not going to elaborate. It's becoming like ESPN and LeBron James. He's my number three for MVP voting. Number two, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has never received the respect he deserves in the NFL MVP voting community. And Mike I'm the fucking me. worst.
1: I didn't even put this guy on my fucking list. I feel like I'm the worst. I, like, I just fell into the trap that everybody else does. I, ha- I picked Seattle to win 10 games, make the NFC Championship. It did not once mention the guy for the MVP conversation. Nowhere nope. in my notes, I feel like a complete asshole.
0: Yeah, and Mike is an asshole. And he just tore me apart for, for my sleepers being very asleep with Josh Allen and J.J. Watt. But he, he's ignoring the most obvious of names in Russell Wilson, who has been an elite quarterback for the better part of a decade now. And Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. Never, which is an atrocity. I don't understand how Russell Wilson's never be on, been on the ballot. Somebody explained that to me, but this year I have the Seahawks at 12 and four with a roster that still has a lot of question marks, so it's really going to be the Russell Wilson show, if we're being honest, if they're going to win 10 to 12 games this year, and if we're looking for somebody to have a breakout, you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are very good receivers, and if the running backs can stay healthy, Russell Wilson has a lot of weapons. So he's going to have to carry for that team to be good. And I don't know why you're laughing. As you said, if the running backs can stay healthy, they're not going to Rashad Penny and Chris Carson are not going to stay healthy, but they did. They did add DJ Dallas and we'll see how he can impact the offense. Once those guys get hurt.
1: He won't at all.
0: (laughs) Spicy takes from Mike Rose, which means with no running back production, it's going to be the Russell Wilson show. That's why he's my number two in MVP. Number one in MVP. Drew Brees finally gets his. And I think that I have the Saints going 14 and two. And Drew Brees has never won an MVP, which is one of the most, more atrocious things in the, in the league history for how good he's been for so long. It could be a nostalgia time for voters, but if the Saints don't get knocked in the first round, I think people are going to be more affectionate toward Drew Brees. And I have them winning the Super Bowl. So give me Drew Brees finally getting his. We got to talk. He wins the MVP, he rides off into the sunset. We love dribbles. We got to talk. Okay.
1: Because not only did you disrespect the Baltimore Ravens by having them knocked out in their first playoff game for the second year in a row, but you disrespect the reigning MVP of the league by well, he's putting gonna, nowhere he, on your ballot. He,
0: he's going to see some regression, right? Like, I don't think it's possible that he throws for as many touchdowns and I rushes for as many... I think he could as throw for more touchdowns. I, I don't think it's possible... You didn't let me finish. That he throws for as many touchdowns and he rushes for as many yards like i think lamar jackson this year is going to have to do significantly less for the ravens to win games and if the defense is as good as you say it is there's a really good chance that his numbers aren't that good because he could be out of most games at the end of the third quarter lamar jackson wow. and, and really it's so tough to win back-to-back MVPs. Nate, agreed tell me, but he should be on the goddamn ballot but you see i have patrick mahomes and russ wilson and drew Brees. so like you, you can excuse me if Lamar Jackson was my number four guy. Like, was well, he your number four guy? Yes. Okay, then I'll let it, I'll let it slide. Yes, so Lamar Jackson, no disrespect. I, I just think that Russell Wilson has long been underappreciated, and if he carries to Seattle. I want to link this pod to the Ravens, though. Disrespect by you in this broadcast. Big it's trust. We, we love them. No, you uh, don't get to say that anymore. He's so upset. Anyway, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Give me your three guys. Number three, Jerry Judy. I talked earlier, I don't really believe in Drew Locke, but I do
1: believe in Jerry Judy. And that guy is uh, as good a route runner as I've seen on a rookie receiver in a long, long time. So I got Jerry Judy number three. Number two was Jonathan Taylor. And then I listened all day today to hear about how Naheem Hines is going to catch like a thousand passes this year. And so I don't know how much I believe in this, but I'm not going to change it now. So number two is I'm just going to stay being Jonathan Taylor but it's a, a hesitant Jonathan Taylor. Number one is Joe Burrow. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to have a fantastic year, even though the Bengals will suck again. But Joe Burrow has some really good weapons. If A.J. Green could play like six games, that would be an upgrade. And then Tyler Boyd's had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Joe Mixon's as good a running back as you're going to find in the league, in my opinion. And even though the offensive line still stinks, I think Joe Burrow puts up
0: some big numbers, and he wins offense rookie of the year. So we had the same number two. I had Jonathan Taylor at two. And my thought process there is he is going to have just about as big an opportunity as anybody else who's a rookie this year. That's not a quarterback um, because I think we can agree Marlon Mack is an injury machine. That's what he does. And Naheem Hines is terribly inefficient. So I can't believe he's actually going to play that much regarding what they were saying uh, earlier today. Number two. So that's my number two is Jonathan Taylor. Number three, I have Joe Burrow. I like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of weapons. He should be on the radar. Uh, he's gonna start right away and whether or not he sinks or swims is going to be what keeps him in the rookie of the year discussion or not and number one I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I-, I was looking at Lamb I was looking at Judy Andy Reid's running backs just produce so much and if you look at Kareem Hunt's rookie season from 2017 I got I know this was pr- prior to Patrick Mahomes but the guy had. 1,300 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards, and he scored 11 touchdowns. Clyde Edwards Alaire could catch 70 or 80 passes this year. He could go for 1,500 yards from scrimmage, and he could score 12 touchdowns. And if he reaches those metrics, I don't see a situation where he isn't the offensive rookie of the year. And I think he's probably in the best position to succeed as far as all the rookies when you talk about the opportunity that's available to him because all the other running backs on Casey's roster stink. Defensive player of the year. Who you got? Give me three. Defensive
1: rookie of the year or defensive player of the year?
0: Player of the year. Okay. Defensive player of the year. Uh, my number
1: three is Danil Hunter because I think the Vikings are going to be really good. Danil Hunter has 50, he has fifty-four and a half sacks in the last five years as you sit here and try and call me biased. He's as good as pass rusher as there is in the entire NFL. I think he has a huge year this year again. And I think he, he a certain. Number two, I have Aaron Donald, uh, because if I didn't put Aaron Donald on this list, I'd just feel like I would look like a dumbass when Aaron Donald probably just goes and wins the thing because yep. the guy is just a freak of nature and is the best interior pass rusher I've ever seen in my life. Yes. My winner is TJ Watt. Not JJ Watt, but TJ Watt. And <laughs> I'll tell you why. First of all, he's got great genetics. JJ Watt, that guy's won a couple of Defensive Player of the Year's. TJ Watt, he had a monster year last year for Pittsburgh. Still, still developing, young player. I think this year's really the big... Sack breakout year. I think he can put up a 20 sack season this year, potentially, on a really good Pittsburgh defense and on a Pittsburgh team that I think is going to be playing from ahead a lot, which is going to lead to more pass rushing opportunities. I think he's uber talented, and I think Pittsburgh's a playoff team. So I got TJ Watt as my defense player of the year.
0: So for me, I have number three, I have Aaron Donald for the reasons that you listed. He's a two time winner of the award already. He gets triple teamed almost it's every play. It's just disrespectful not to. He, he's so much better than everyone else. Like, that's just the reality. Aaron Donald right now is the best defensive player in football still. Before I go any further, shout out JJ Watt. He would be a sleeper pick for me just like he was with MVP with the caveat that he can stay healthy in Rose is well. So he's a sleeper for MVP. He doesn't make our top three for defensive players. Because I can't guarantee ridiculous. that he's going to stay healthy. And if he does stay healthy, he can, ridiculous. Be, a sleep, he can be a sleeper for both awards and I think that's pretty sound rationale, but Mike is just fed up. Number two, I have Nick Bosa, and I don't think Mike is going to chastise me for that. I think we both agree that he's a phenomenal pass rusher. He had a high impact for a 49ers team that went to the Super Bowl in year one. Expect him to show development. Expect him to get easily double-digit sacks and be, you know, what causes a lot of turnovers and big plays for the 49ers defense this year. Number one, Derwin James. That's my guy this year. I love Derwin James. Derwin James plays every single position with the exception of interior defensive lineman for the Los Angeles chargers. He lines up at free safety, strong safety, plays nickel corner. He's an edge rusher. He's incredibly versatile last year. He got hurt and we got to miss, I think 13 games of Derwin James because of the injury, his rookie season, he was phenomenal. And when you watch Derwin James on tape, I think he's the closest thing that we've had in the league since Sean Taylor. Like, when you compare safeties and their prototypes, like, Derwin James is phenomenal at what he does. So, for my money, Defensive Player of the Year, it's it's an award that seems to come out of nowhere more than other awards because guys just explode. Derwin James, I don't think teams forgot about him, but there's not going to be as much attention paid to him early on because he was injured, and there's so many other good players on the Chargers' defensive side of the ball – when you look at the corners, when you look at Melvin Ingram, when you look at Joey Bosa. So Derwin James has the potential to just have a massive year. And I think that he's my guy for defense player of the year in 2020.
1: Yeah. Derwin James would definitely be a dark horse for me. No question about it. And uh, it's interesting, you know, A, that charge defense is stacked. B, for my money, Derwin James is the best safety in football. And safety right now is a pretty loaded position. If you really look at it, at the, the right. upper echelon of guys that, play that position right now so uh, I think like you said we were robbed of uh, a season of Derwin James last year I think he comes back motivated and he, he should play really good football and Nick Bosa was another good one as well because that's going to be a great defense and Nick is just an absolute force
0: correct and, and I, I'm glad that Mike has no gripe with my offensive or defense offensive rookie J. And Watt can get of the, year the hell out of here on all these awards defensive rookie of the year give me your three guys all right my number three a little bit of a little bit
1: of a dark throw, dark course because I didn't want to go all chalk on defense, rookie. Of the
0: year. I, I'm the same way.
1: Yep. My number three,
0: Curtis Weaver. You have to be kidding me right now. <laughs> you have of to course, be... you picked the same guy. You're Curtis Weaver, my, my number three. Number three, it's Curtis Weaver. I'm yes,
1: so it is. Right so there now. he is. Okay, so Curtis, we we might have the same one, two, three. Honestly, Curtis Weaver is my uh, number three. Goes to Miami. He should be able to get a, a pass rushing role immediately. And honestly, Curtis Weaver could put together a double digit sack season. I wouldn't be that yep. surprised. Nope. So Curtis Weaver's my number three. My number two is Chase Young. Cause Chase Young is going to go into Washington and be an instant production machine. And if Chase Young, uh, this, this, okay. So this is going to sound a little nuts, but genuinely if Chase Young led the league in sacks this year, I wouldn't be that surprised because he is that good. Yeah. He's fantastic. Can I guess your number one? Go ahead. It's Jeff Okuda. It is not Jeff Okuda, even though I love that guy. Okay. It is Isaiah Simmons. Okay. Because is Isaiah Simmons is
0: Derwin James
1: Light. He, well, except that, you know he's going
0: to play linebacker more
1: than safety, but you're, you're right. They're both but very versatile. He can versatile. play everywhere, and yep. he's going to go on an Arizona defense that I think we talked about earlier is very talented. and I think that opens it up for him, especially as a rookie this year, to kind of just play loose, play free, and just run all over the field to make a bunch of plays. I think Arizona is going to, like I said, I have him in the playoffs. I think that helps his case as well. And I think he ends up putting together a strong season of sack, interceptions, tackle, all
0: that. And he wins defense rookie of the year. So this might be premature because Tremaine Edmonds has only been in the league for two years. And he's, he just turned 21. Like he came out at 19. I think Isaiah Simmons is a better Tremaine Edmonds. When you look at the things that Edmonds does well, he's great in zone coverage. He plays sideline to sideline. He's wicked fast. He's wicked strong. He's a game breaker. And Isaiah Simmons is that much better coming out than Tremaine Edmonds was. So look out for that. We have the same.
1: Can I make a comparison quickly? You know, you may compare him to a a great Bills linebacker. I would compare him to a Vikings linebacker. He's like a, 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 if you gave Eric Kendricks, just freak athleticism. Because Eric Kendricks, in my opinion, is the best cover linebacker in football. Eric Kendricks
0: is the smartest linebacker in football, period. Yeah.
1: And I think if you just took Eric Kendricks and just made him super athletic, that's Isaiah Simmons.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, so we have the same players for defensive rookie of the year. I'm so mad that you put Curtis Weaver at three. He fell to the fifth round. We both loved him coming out. He's going to have a lot of opportunity in Miami. Notes are chalk. Like you, You hit the nail on the head. I have Isaiah Simmons at two. You got cute. You listed Simmons over Chase Young. Chase Young is a generational talent. And Mike was just like, I'm not going to put the I obvious guy number one. I knew you were fit Chase Young, so I just didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's the only reason you didn't do it. Deep in his heart, Mike Rose probably thinks Chase Young is the most likely guy. But for his official pick, he's going to go Isaiah Simmons. He's shrugging. He's giggling. I'm absolutely right. And that wraps up our picks, I believe. Uh, do you have any... Any closing thoughts on the, the 90 minutes that we just ran?
1: J.J. Watt is not winning the MVP, and the Philadelphia Eagles are way better than the Dallas Cowboys. And you're wrong on both of those.
0: Well, it's a good thing J.J. Watt's my sleeper, and the Eagles are going to miss the playoffs. Um, but I think that's going to be doing it for us here this evening. And, uh, yeah, any closing thoughts for our listeners, Michael, beyond hating J.J. Watt?
1: Curtis is a homer, absolute homer picks.
0: Like, I don't know how you can say I'm a homer based Except on... Except
1: you picked the Bills at the AFC Championship game.
0: Which, everybody... I, I've seen lists on NFL.com, Fox Sports, nope. ESPN, we'll the Bills. It. The Bills are top five on all of these nope. lists. So Unacceptable. If, so, saying a top five team can't get to a championship game, that's not a homer pick. That's common sense. I'm sorry that I have them knocking off the Ravens because the Ravens don't win playoff games for the last two years. Don't at me, Michael. That's going to do it for us today. As always, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. Contact <laughs> as always uh if you don't already do so follow us on twitter we're at guys follow us on instagram that's at guys like sports we're available on all your favorite streaming platforms that is stitcher apple Podcasts, spotify and the web and uh that's gonna do it for us tonight here with episode six for my co-host michael rose i'm curtis henry we're out <laughs>